I will initiate self-destruct sequencing. Episode 226 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. How did I forget to my, how did I forget how I intro myself? I, it was <laughs> it was like a stutter step. It was, but then oh, you just hit you hit your rhythm. You're like juke. juke. Uh, and we are continuing our streak of special guests on the podcast to discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian. We'll be discussing Chapter 3, The Sin, tonight with our host from one of our favorite Star Wars podcasts. It's Emily Lind of the Canto Bite Dispatch. Hello. I almost messed up your intro. I, I was like, oh, one of our favorite Star Wars podcasts, and then I didn't even say the, like... We got to get this thing. I think you're. I think you're overthinking it. I yeah, am. we got there eventually. It didn't take. Yeah. It was like one sentence later. It's fine. I, I, I'm in my head. Like I'm. Uh, I just gotta, like, uh, relax here. I don't know why. I had too good of a nap before the podcast. Uh oh. You're like something's wrong here. I feel incredible. <laughs> this is not right. I feel amazing. <laughs> um. So, before we jump into uh, discussing all the news and uh, excitement of the week, we gotta do the weekly plug for the Kessel Toy Run, which is going on right now. So, for you guys that may not know, the Kessel Toy Run is a charity that our buddy Brandon Manriquez set up a couple years ago. This is actually the third year that we've been doing this. And what he does is he collects new Star Wars toys and passes them out um, at the children's hospital he works at during the holidays. And he um, gives gifts to the kids in the hospital, their families that may be there, just trying to bring a little Star Wars happiness to those that might not be having the greatest time. Um, So here is how you can donate. If you want more information... You should check them out on Twitter at the Kessel Toy Run. They also have a Facebook page. They have an Instagram. They have a YouTube channel. It should all be under the Kessel Toy Run. So check that out, and um, you should be able to get any of this information if you don't pick up on it during the show. Um, if you want to send stuff in, it's really easy. You can send any new unopened Star Wars gift uh, to the Kessel Toy Run. 3217 Carson Street, number 111, Lakewood, California, 90712. 
And if you're like, oh, I don't know what to send, I need some ideas. Well, you can search under registries on Amazon. You just got to search the Castle Toy Run at gmail.com and uh, like a, a list will come up of some excellent suggestions. You click whatever you want to send. Boom, boom, boom. It's on its way. It's a wonderful thing. So uh, if you guys haven't already, think about uh, donating some toys to the Castle Toy Run. It's a neat way to do some good for some kids that are in the hospital over the holidays. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's one of my favorite things we're associated with. And I have to say, like, just from from a selfish perspective, I just have fun looking through and buying toys because I don't I don't have any any, like little kids to buy Star Wars toys for in my life. But this way I get to I get to live vicariously through other kids. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really nice. And then seeing the pictures in the video um, that they put together afterwards, like it's just, it's the best. So there, um, there is a rush buying Star Wars toys in general. I know what you mean. <laughs> there is. And you know what I like about the the Amazon wish list that he set up mm-hmm. is it gives you some ideas that you m- might not have normally thought about. Because you know, for me personally, oh, I'm sending Star Wars toys, then I'm just gonna send figures, right? But right, because no. that's what I would buy. But like, right, pl- plush things and like blankets things and that younger kids would really enjoy and need more than action figures. Dude, like my my nerd self would go right to. As someone who spent a lot of time in the hospital as a kid, uh, activity books, books in general, you know, all of that stuff, like comic books, perfect, the perfect idea. So, all right, guys, <clears throat> well. Like I said, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian. We're going to save that uh, until just a little bit because I we were talking before. I think it's going to take up the bulk of the discussion because uh, this week's episode was pretty cool. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> I know it's a good episode when I'm sitting on the couch in the afternoon working and Will invites me to uh, Xbox voice chat. And I was right. like, oh, somebody just saw The Mandalorian. Have to talk about this. I must must discuss this. Um, so um, let's get the other stuff out of the way. So you know we discussed old Dick and Dan or whatever their names are, David and Dan, no longer doing Star Wars. They were previously slated to be the directors behind uh, the next theatrically released Star Wars movie in 2022. Right. Well, but then they signed a big old Netflix deal, right? Yeah. Uh, so they're gone. No no skin off my back. Um, and the question's been, will that release date change? Will they keep a Star Wars movie in that 2022? Because it's not, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility to, to bring someone else on board and get their project off the ground in time for that release date. No, but they would have to get underway soon, and they, I mean, they'd have to have a bullet in the chamber ready to go. Well, we don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's still technically three years away. Um, you just, I would think you don't want to get into a situation where it's another rushed production, where you're That's under the knife. That's my thing. Like, I right. thought this yeah. whole point of a hiatus was to give yourself time to make and execute a plan. Well, we have some inkling or some whispers that something is going on behind the scenes so i think it was about three days ago on the 19th the the big final promotional push for the rise of skywalker started entertainment weekly 
released their covers. There were character posters that were kind of mediocre. <laughs> I, it was neat. <laughs> I, we'll talk about those in a second. But uh, and you know, interviews and and all this stuff started coming out. And one of them, and it's escaping me right now, um, mentioned that they do have a director lined up for that 2022 film Ooh. and that they won't be making an announcement until probably January, which makes a lot of sense. You think you don't, you want to get this last movie out of the gate. You want to let the Mandalorian run its course. And then when those have died down, you can make your big announcement about your next director. Right. So it sounds like they have someone lined up. Um, and it seems like it won't be too long before we know now. Emily, who do you yes. want this to be? Do you have anybody in mind? Do you do you have any inside sources? Somebody at Lucasfilm that's like, hey, Emily, guess who's directing the next Star Wars? Let us know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My best friend at Lucasfilm who I've okay. never talked about before. Sweet. I knew we'd get this information <laughs> out of you. You know, I don't I don't think that I do. I mean, obviously I'm 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 super interested in eventually getting Ryan Johnson's movies, but other than that, there's nobody I can think of who is a, a realistic choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of people, especially after today, saying that they wouldn't mind seeing Deborah Chow helm a Star Wars movie. She's the lady who directed the uh, the third episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, but she's got <clears throat> Obi-Wan to do. She does, and that films this summer. So you got to wonder if between that like is that too much on her plate could she get obi-wan knocked out of the way and uh put her focus on a, a theatrical movie i don't know i don't really know how that stuff works so i can't be like yes she could do that or uh no that's impossible you know um i do kind of get the feeling though that the the star wars live action series like could lead to some of these creatives getting their own movie at some point down the road. Especially, you know, she's got two episodes this season, right? She's directing two of them? Yeah. If her second episode comes out and is getting as much praise and, like, fervor as this episode is, I, I would think at that point you got to strongly consider her. You know, she's in the family, quote-unquote. Um, I don't know. It might be... With her work on Obi-Wan, I think that's the kicker, like you said. Uh, Will, what about you, buddy? Do you have anybody that you would like to see? I'm not pulling for anybody in particular. But um, do you think <coughs> they would get, what is his name, Kevin Feige to do one? So the thing is, is he, whenever his movie comes about, it won't be directed by him. It's just a producerial Okay. Like, he doesn't direct. He's a producer, right? And, okay. And, you know, I enjoy his work at Marvel, but if, if it was him, then that's not the news we're going to get. We're going to get the news of whoever it is that he and Kathleen Kennedy have decided to hire for his movie. Yeah, then I don't have a, a specific director. You know, if we're if we're looking at people who are directing Mandalorian and I I mean it's it's sort of silly to say based on one episode I, I'd be happy with with Deborah Chow but if we're looking at people who've directed this man give it to Taika 
I love his movies. Taika Waititi would be cool. It would be very John cool. John Favreau would be cool. I mean, um, Taika Waititi would be really cool. I just, and I need to sit down and look. When is his fourth Thor movie coming out? Ooh, that's a good question. Because he's, he's is scheduled. Is it going to be a movie or is it going to be a Disney Plus thing? No, it's Thor, a movie. Love and Thunder. That's a movie. Okay. It was um, just announced in the big block of Marvel stuff where some of it was right series, and I wasn't sure. Yeah, I could see how you could get confused because they announced a hell of a lot of stuff at that Comic Con. Um, that is November twenty one. So he that then then that's got to start filming. You got to think sometime next year, maybe late next year. Yeah, that may put him out of the running for the twenty twenty two movie. Well, it's sort of. It seems like it depends what state this movie is in if yeah. it's different if if they already have a script or or most of a script that's a very different story of just bringing in a director yeah th- that's the question like were so i assume those game of thrones guys were writing their star wars movie or was this a situation where they were heralding and they were gonna bring a writer on i don't really know the little bit of information we've gotten about their involvement doesn't sound like they were writing it doesn't sound like they were far into the process it sounds almost like blue sky developments type stuff the one little bit of information we've gotten and who knows if it's you know even correct it's it doesn't come from any like official lucasfilm source um so things can always get lost in translation or, or whatnot. But uh, was that they were working on a movie about the or- origin of the Jedi? Um, and if that's the case, like, that's the question. Did they have a writer lined up? Were they writing? I, I think know. they were writing and not directing. Right. That's what I kind of thought. And if they, does... I mean, they've got, but thing is, like, I feel like Lucasfilm has got to be sitting on other scripts. Oh, I, I mean, oh, I'm sure there's like a full, a binder full of greatest hit scripts, right? Like, or even pitches and outlines, (coughs) you know. uh, Yeah, so maybe, yeah, like maybe you're moving something forward, just like moving puzzle pieces around. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't know, man. It's it'll be interesting. Here, I Neil Blomkamp. Ooh. Ooh. That would be cool. Okay, it so would be, it would be weird, but it'd be cool. I I would dig a Neil Blomkamp Star Wars movie, but I start I've started to get this feeling that I don't know, maybe he's a little hard to work with or something. I can only imagine because nobody's getting him to make movies anymore. Well, he was signed the reason I say this was you know, he made a big splash right before or right after that movie Chapp- Chappie came out when he was talking about his ideas for another alien movie. He wanted to do an alien movie that basically ignored everything p- post-Aliens. So it ignored, you know, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, and so on. Right. Uh, and he was going to bring, like, uh, Michael Bean and Sigourney Weaver back, and he had all this concept art. And oh yeah, it was really cool too. Yeah, and then something happened with that project. It never ended up happening, and I think part of it had to do with the fact that Ridley Scott was doing his 
Prometheus and uh, Covenant movies right around the same time, and those uh, sort of took precedent as far as the franchise was concerned. Right. Uh, and then after that, he started doing those movies for like those short films for Steam, right? The Oats Oats Studios, right? Shorts films, which are all pretty damn good. Yeah, they I are. I mean, the horror one is pretty horrifying. And, I mean, some are better than others, but they're all pretty damn good. And then he was signed on to do a movie called RoboCop Returns. Now, what did RoboCop Returns do? Ignored RoboCop 2, 3, so on and so forth, and was like, it's the the new hit thing to do in movies now. You right. do a new yeah. a Halloween movie that ignores all the sequels. You do a Terminator movie that ignores all the sequels. And he was signed on to do that. And guess what happened? He left the project. So I don't know if it's just, I don't know. I just wonder if, if he got signed on to do a Star Wars movie, would this be the point, another one of those, hey, we got this person to do a Star Wars movie and then it never materializes? Yeah. I saw that Colin Trevorrow was given his Rise of the Skywalker proceeds to charity or something like that. Yeah, that was another interesting story that came out this week is apparently he and his co-writer that were working on The Rise of Skywalker are receiving writing credit right, for Star Wars Episode Nine. So some, some bits of their ideas made it into the final script. Um, and, and I think you bring up a good point with this whole discussion, Will. To me, that makes it sounds like, and maybe this is just how it works in general and I'm a dummy and I don't know, but... If you do work for Lucasfilm on a movie, if you even start the process of writing a script, that shit's theirs to do with what they please. So yeah, if, it kind of sounds like that. So if they get rid of you... Owned in perpetuity. If they get rid of you and they're like, hey, let's bring J.J. Abrams in and show him... like, And then he's allowed to take anything from that script or... He can cherry pick from all the scripts. Right, so... Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all got to be work for hire. I mean, you see that a lot with, with comic books mm -hmm. for Marvel and DC. Yeah, so it makes me think that if there was anything written by the Game of Thrones guys, they may at least have a jumping off point. We, you know, Will and I have both said on this show, if, they, if Lucasfilm likes the idea of about a movie that... Uh, um, I hit a pothole. That's about, about the, or the origin of the Jedi. Yes. Then they, they will explore that. Yeah. Doesn't matter that <coughs> the guys you had lined up to make it aren't going to make it. They they got five cents to find somebody to make it. So you want um, you want my hairbrained idea I had today? Hit me. Yeah. Yes. The movie in December 2022 will not be the first movie in a trilogy. It will be a standalone movie. But. It will be the follow-up to The Mandalorian. It will be, because if you think about it, we get season one this year, mm -hmm. season two, and two next year in 2020, season three in 2021. Then what if they, you know, because it, it seems like the current trend is not to do long seven-season series. You kind of tell the story you need and the amount of seasons. What if they decide to wrap up the series with a movie? I mean, it would be cool, but isn't that kind of not what they're trying to do anymore is 
bring yeah. in small niche audiences for these Star Wars movies? I don't know how small and niche the audience is going to end up being for the Mandalorian. Well, I mean, that's true. I'm not saying it's not popular, but I mean, I don't I'm, know. It's just I'm just saying. I my only honestly, and I, I don't necessarily wouldn't discount that at all. Except it seems like it is early days for them to be putting their eggs in the Mandalorian basket like that. It does. It does. And I totally agree with that. It just, I, and I'll tell you why I thought this was because there was some, and I, and it honestly seemed kind of mis misguided speculation that they were going to announce either Filoni or Favreau as doing the star Wars movie. And then, and then I was like, well, I kind of like those dudes where they are right now working on the Mandalorian. Cause it's really good. So, that would kind of bum me out in a way. Like it's kind of like yeah. uh robbing Peter to pay Paul or whatever. Right. Is that the, the phrase? Uh, yeah. I think yeah. So. I don't know. Um, but uh, not long before we find out <clears throat> either way. <clears throat> oh man. Um, all right. So besides the, the, who's going to direct the, next star wars movie chatter from this week we've gotten a lot of promotional stuff for the rise of skywalker uh they really i mean it, clear as day what the strategy was they're like oh november 19th exactly one week or one month from the movie let's start releasing stuff um and i did you see the character posters will character posters yeah, they did like no. individual no, posters for all the main players of this I'll movie. Uh, <coughs> Emily, what what did you think about them? Um, they they are not particularly exciting. No, they are not. I uh, yeah. I honestly think they're probably of the Star Wars movies so far that we've gotten uh, in the the more modern age, um, the worst character posters they've done. I, they're, I like, yeah. they're like flashcards or something. Or they're trading like, cards. That's, yeah, that's what I'm, they're like trading cards yeah. covers or something. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> that's kind of weak. Weak sauce. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll say this. It was neat seeing more than just Ray kylo poe finn it was neat that they worked you know that they had one for rose they had one for Jana. they have one for zori they have one for dio i'm glad they had one for rose because everybody's been like where's rose and i'm like for real where is rose but she showed up in that last trailer and she showed up yeah here, so, so it's good. nice that, that i enjoyed i i like the characters they chose it's just the something about the style looks bad it's real quick i yeah. I don't know. It's the Star Wars logo, the rounded edges, the, I don't know. It's like a, just like a high quality picture. Well, I mean, at least put something in the, do like a background or something. Yeah. The background is stars. Yeah. Like remember, do you guys remember the character posters for Rogue One that were like, they were sort of close up and then they had like the. Well, they had like the data, right? Right. Yeah. Like the, um. What do you call it? Like the the information readouts on the computers at the Rebellion base? Like they have that green data. Like I don't even know what you call it. 
but it was a really cool looking poster. Then you had the Last Jedi ones that were all white and red. Like those were the two like primary colors and they looked right. really cool. I even thought the Han Solo ones looked cool, even though it turned out that they were cribbed off of like jazz greatest hits albums or something. Oh, that's right. Like they've done so much better like character posters in the past. That it's just a little disappointing. Um, I'm, I mean, for me, it's not just these character posters. It's been the, the empire covers, the entertainment weekly covers. It's all, it feels and and that's like I mean obviously those are made from assets that they got from from Disney. It all feels really like chintzy. Something yeah, something about it does just feel off. And I wonder if it's a situation of keeping everything secret and then getting these assets last minute and doing the best you can. Um, one of the Empire covers I thought was pretty neat, but it's. It's Kylo and the Knights of Ren, so it's just a bunch of dudes in armor, in black armor with weapons and stuff. Like, it, it's nothing that's particularly memorable. It's just neat to see art of the Knights of Ren or photography of the Knights of Ren that's a little more clear. And yeah, and it was better than the one with the the light side one where they're just standing in a field. Mm -hmm. I I don't understand. Yeah, I don't. It could it, it could all be a little more exciting. I will say, was it a, the international poster that came out as well? Um, there was a new poster that came out. Um, let me see if I can find it and find out where it's Is this it's the from. ship one? No, it's the one that's got the Porg on it. Um, I like it quite a bit better. I'll send it to you both. I just found it. Apparently, it's the German poster. Oh, okay. It's just one they 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 they've added a bunch of the new characters to it. Yeah, and it's got Ray in the middle with like like a fighting stance going on. It's honestly pretty neat the more I look at it and definitely probably the best promotional piece that came out this week. Uh I just sent it to you both. Um It's real kind of 80s. It is real kind of 80s, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I like that though, one. In a really good way. The only way it could, like, if that was painted by Drew Struzan, yeah. oh, off the charts, cool, you know? Yeah. Um, now, the question is, I, I brought it up. Uh, over on the left-hand side, uh, you see C-3PO, Rose, and then who I assume is Don, Dominic Monaghan from Lost and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, And right cool. below him, that's a Porg, right, you guys? It is. Yeah. It is. That's Porg. So that confirms we're getting poor, at least a porg in this movie. The Tantive, the X-Wing. I didn't even notice the Tantive before. That's cool. And then Kylo Shuttle. And whatever those triangular wing things are called. Tie Daggers. Tie Daggers. There we go. Oh, and Pride is on this. He hasn't been in much of the promotional stuff yet either. No, I've been waiting for him, and I'm glad to finally see Hawks on one of the posters. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know what's weird? Even with uh, the the Last Jedi, Hux was not used in a lot of the promotional stuff. Looking back on it, like I remember leading up to Last Jedi, being like, he, "He's in the movie, right?" And obviously, he was. But yeah, I don't know, man. I'm excited for this movie, but right now, like, I have. 
eyes for The Mandalorian. It is hard for me to focus on episode nine. I'm very excited. Um, and, and I know the week the movie comes out, like, I am going to be thrilled to be seeing it. I can't wait to wrap up the trilogy. But it is hard to concentrate on that when they're focusing on pretty much my favorite aspect of Star Wars and a weekly TV show right now. Um, how are you feeling about that, Emily, like leading into episode nine? I know I've seen you tweet and stuff saying you're you're struggling a little bit with your excitement for episode nine as well. Yeah, and this is this has happened to me before. And then when I'm sitting in the theater and like I, I like start to like shake and the music comes on and I start to cry. So <laughs> I, 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 I believe that I'll get there. But. Yeah, it's a combination of uh oh. How am I gonna talk about anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's rough. I, like I said, I know I'm excited. Like I can't wait. It's just we've got so much Star Wars going on right now. We got the Mandalorian. We have a really good Star Wars game out right now. And I got to be honest, the it's nice to see people so stoked about Star Wars now. You know, like for so long it's been fighting and arguing and and different little cliques like at going at each other and bad take after bad take and assholes on YouTube. And now like I feel like the Mandalorian is so well received. Jedi Fallen Order is pretty well received that everybody is just stoked to be talking about Star Wars and drowning out all the assholes on YouTube. Um Yeah. And for me, I'm just the Mandalorian it hits that sweet spot where I am remembering all the reasons I love Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And don't be wrong, like I I I loved The Last Jedi and and force awakens and and rogue one but then i was i was not a, really a fan of solo and resistance i sort of go back and forth on and the fandom is just so tiring that this show i really needed it yeah. this was the like the joy in star wars that i needed to feel again yeah and it just seems like you know it was like at some point I just wanted to be like Star Wars what are you doing just smooth sailing for once guys come on like I don't need another hiring and then a firing I wasn't that excited for the Game of Thrones dudes but can we let that be the last firing for now you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like I'm tired of being like well we got to talk about someone that's not doing a Star Wars movie anymore like uh I'm looking forward to you know, it's it sucks because I have become accustomed to a Star Wars movie a year, and that's been really nice. Even if, you know, the, I haven't been over-the-top crazy about every single thing that's come out, the ones that I do like, that I really like, have been really good. And it's been nice that even if something comes out and I'm like, eh, you know, it's okay, it's not my favorite, there's one just around the corner. Uh and initially, I was bummed that we were taking this three-year break between this December and December 2022. But honestly, the more and more it goes on, like, I think it's a good idea. 
because it's not like there's going to be no Star Wars. We have more Mandalorian coming, Kenobi, Cassian, whatever else um, live action series they have planned for Disney Plus, whatever the next animated series is. Like there's plenty coming down to keep us occupied and, and interested in Star Wars. And then, you know, by the time that next movie comes around, we start getting early trailers for it and there's all the hype for it and you know it'll be exciting again we get to go see a new star wars movie in the theater like so i think the break will ultimately be good uh as long as the production of this next movie goes fairly smoothly and they don't have to fire anybody yeah or anybody doesn't back out or whatever the hell is going on all right let's talk about it episode three chapter three of the mandalorian the sin so, Emily, last week we had our buddy Jeremy on, and he told us uh, his feelings on episode one and two. How are you feeling? I think we've gotten a, a little taste of it, and obviously anybody that listens to Canto Bite Dispatch knows, but why don't you fill in the listeners? How are you feeling about The Mandalorian so far leading up to episode three? I'm I'm all in on it. It's It's not... It's not what I expected it to be, and I'm really, I'm actually kind of glad for that. I had an idea of what the show was going to be, and it's so much, it's got a much better sense of humor mm-hmm. than I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to get, like, totally grumpy anti-hero Mandalorian <laughs> for probably, like, the first six episodes or something, and and he's not he's right off the bat he's really empathetic he's interesting yeah he's he's you know he's still gruff and killing people but i mean even in that first episode we get that he he has this whole enclave of mandalorians that he cares about and he's making jokes and and the, like the quality is really good in terms of the set pieces and the action i just i i just I really love it. Yeah. I so I was very excited for this show. I did have some nerves going in because it's the first live action Star Wars TV show and it you know it's hard to think how do they translate big bu- big budget action sci-fi fantasy or science fantasy or whatever, right? To the small screen and not make it feel lesser and I couldn't be happier with that like it feels like Star Wars it feels like an event um and I have to give it to like the creative team and the more we hear about how this season came together you know obviously uh John Favreau was at the helm he got the thing off the ground brought Dave Filoni in to help but like at that fan Q&A thing they had a couple weeks back it sounds like it was a huge collaborative process between not just Filoni and Favreau, but all the directors that they brought on board. And like that group of people, the story team at Luke, uh, the story group at Lucasfilm, everybody that's worked on this, like have figured out that, that perfect mix of star Wars elements for me, at least there's a little weird mystical force stuff going on. There is a lot of star Wars weirdness. Like, the giant mud horn egg like that is so fucking weird that is 
that is something I think is one of the Star Wars elements that can sometimes get pushed to the wayside or forgotten about is the weird stuff. You know? Yeah, the fact that it's aliens mm-hmm. and they should be alien. Mm-hmm. What I loved about the egg thing is when it starts, you really think, oh, it's going to be some really valuable or mystical or powerful object. And then they get it and they just chop the top off and eat it because it's an egg. Yeah. And, and I laughed so hard. It's so gross, but like not in the kind of gross where you're like, well, I never want to watch that again. It's like that funny type of gross. Like, I don't know, man. If you told me like you're going to see a whole episode where a Mandalorian goes on a mission to get a giant furry egg for Jawas, <laughs> like, I don't know what I would have thought. Like so it, much Jawa detail. Yeah. Like in these oh, episodes, yeah. I've had, I've had more Mandalorian backstory explained to me, and culture, you know, as and Jawa culture as well than I ever knew about anything in Star Wars. Same thing for bounty hunter culture. Like, yeah, and and I think, um, I think that is where bringing Dave Filoni on board it was a good idea for this show because before this show. Really, the m- most information we got about Mandalorians all came from Rebels and Clone Wars, which Dave Filoni was, you know, in charge of. So, if you want to, you know, bring all that in, then you you definitely got the right guy for the job there. Um, uh, and I kind of hit a pothole. Okay, all right, all right, we'll straighten this out right, real quick. Uh, Will, yeah. that brings us to episode three, buddy. Yeah. What'd you think? I was blown away that all these things that I thought was going to take the whole series to resolve happened in the third episode. He got the whole stash of Beskar. Uh, Every single Mandalorian showed up jetpack and all to whip ass. Like, I thought that was going to be the end of season one. You know, I was like, holy shit, they gave that to me third episode. They must have something good in store if I got that episode three. Uh, was just it was just blowing my mind really uh, my mind was really blown with the third episode the, yeah like this could have easily been a season finale of any other right? show because of everything that happened but we still have five more episodes to go he's basically got almost a full suit of beskar armor and i think one leg is done and not the other one i can't tell one looks a little chewed up. So, I think... I don't know what... I, I think it might just be a little weird detail they added. There's a sh- There's a shot um, from one of the later episodes. It's been a promotional po- uh, picture that they've been using. It's the Mandalorian. He's sort of leaning up against a hut. Cara Dune is there. And then... Uh, I can't remember the other actress. You see her in the trailer and stuff. She's there, and they're like they're leaned up against this hut, and they're looking out at something. Uh, and one of his legs does have like some. It looks almost like melted a little bit, or not like fully formed. Mm-hmm. Um, that may just be one of those little, you know, details they add to give the uh, the armor some texture, m- not make it just full shiny silver. Give it a little, I don't know, detail to it. Right. Um. So, were you guys um 
and obviously feel free to jump in because I'll just sit here and babble about this episode. <laughs> so please jump in whenever you feel like it. Um, were you guys surprised that he turned over baby Yoda to Werner Herzog? Um, <clears throat> no, because I, I felt that needs to be the turn is that he does and then regrets it. I, I thought it might take longer for him to regret it. I wasn't expecting it to all happen in one episode. Mm-hmm. I got to say, you know, I, I think a lot of us, I don't want to speak for both of you, but I think a lot of us going into this series were expecting like hour-long episodes or somewhere in that, that area. Um, I think that's just what we've become accustomed to with this kind of TV show, be it Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or Lost or, you know, like the hour-long type show. Um, and while I would definitely take longer episodes, the first watch of these episodes don't feel as short as they are. They don't. And yeah, I, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Emily. Oh, I was going to say, the thing about, like, you know, like, Game of Thrones, every episode is following, like, five different stories. Right. So you cut, like, a soap opera. You get yeah. some, and then cut to yeah. the next story, and then cut to the next story. Yeah, so if you're only telling one, I I'd mu- I would rather, like, a 35-minute episode that feels really tight. Because if you're just following this guy, like, do you really need that fight scene to be, you know, three minutes longer? And maybe the scene where he's going after the baby is two minutes longer. And then you're just sort of stretching out just to fill time. Right. Yeah, I. I was surprised he turned in the baby. I kind of thought that was going to play out bigger. But then I was like, I mean, if he's a true Mandalorian, he's going to get that reward. He might come back for the baby, but he's going to. Yeah, complete the mission and get the take. That was one of the questions I had going into this episode was like, well, we know from the trailers and promo shots that he gets he gets that medal somewhere. He gets a shiny new set of armor. I, like Will was saying, was expecting that to be later in the series. Like, once again, that could have been something they pulled out in the last episode. Um, The big reveal of his full Beskar armor. Um, And... uh, so we knew he was going to get it. So it kind of leaves only a couple options on the table. He turns the baby in or he decides not to. And he just goes in there and, and steals the, the armor. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe the baby thing would have been a little bit less voluntary. Right. Like maybe he gets back to the planet and then Werner Herzog's dudes show up at his place being like, Hey, you got to give us that baby you have. Right. And still, I I think the big mystery of the season so far is what they want that baby for, right? And I honestly can't figure, like, I I don't know what it's going to be. It doesn't, at least from the doctor's point of view, like Dr. Pershing, is that his name? Yeah. I believe. Um, At least from his point of view, it doesn't seem necessarily nefarious. Well, no, and and that was one of the things I really liked is that turn. Because at first you see, like, when you first meet him, he's like, okay, even though he wants the baby alive, he seems like your fairly stereotypical evil scientist dude. But the very first thing he says when the Mandalorian breaks in is, don't hurt it, it's just a child. Right, and I thought that was really good, too. I thought that was a nice detail. Um. I'm uh I'm wondering if we'll see him anymore. Like 
I, cause I the, thought there for a second he was going to bring the doctor with him. I did too, and and so did Jesse. Because let me tell you, last night uh, I was playing Jedi Fallen Order, and my intentions are I'm staying up until the new episode of The Mandalorian comes out. Oh my goodness. I don't have to drive anywhere for work tomorrow. I can sleep in a little bit if I want to. So 2 o'clock rolls around. I check the app. It's not there. So I play a little bit of Fallen Order. Jesse goes, hey, I'm going to go to bed. And then, uh, right as she says that, I check and the the show is up. So I decide I'm going to stay up and watch it, and then I'll watch it again with her in the morning. And I had the hardest time not waking Jesse up at 3 in the morning (laughs) when the big oh shit moment happened at the end. When all those Mandalorians showed up, like it felt like Christmas morning. Um, It's incredible. It really was incredible. And then this morning, uh, our buddy Sal Perales called me and was like, hey, what'd you think of the episode? And Jesse's like, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Jesse is majorly invested in this show, which oh, is nice. Really? Yeah, yeah. She's definitely digging it. You know, the first thing I did after after I watched this episode is I, I DM'd our buddy Chris Fresh and I was like, I'm going on Blue Harvest tonight. I'm so glad that this is the episode I get to talk about. <laughs> well, I, spoiler alert, I think our buddy Chris is going to be one of our special guests, um, reviewers. I, I just got to figure out a good Friday to have him on. And, you know, if you had told me that I would enjoy a scene with a bunch of jetpacks. Right. I would have thought, look, look, look there was one bit with the jetpacks. That I did not like. I'm, I realize what it is, is. I'm okay with the jetpacks when they're when they're near the ground, when they're just sort of like using them to bounce around. It is when uh, the one <laughs> the one thing in this episode I didn't like is when he's the the Mandalorian who flies along the ship and gives him the little salute. Pulling the Iron Man. Like that was a little like that pulled me out of it and I went oh no. I can but get that. But the rest that. of the jetpacks I liked. I totally get that because I. W- you know, I, I don't even think it's the fact that he was flying up in the atmosphere next to the Razor Crest. Something about the salute just seemed, oh, bad. seemed too, like, Earth-like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know what it is about it. It just seemed... His limbs were flopping around like he was going <laughs> fast as shit. Like, well, I don't know if they had the super wind tunnel on him on the green screen or what, but his <laughs> limbs were going everywhere. Yeah, you know, I, think, I think it is that it seems very earthy when... This episode does a lot to establish Mandalorians as a very specific alien culture with like really intense rules, rules and rituals. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about that. So he gets the best car, right? right? He goes back to the Enclave. They actually drop a term for that, and I can't remember what they say. He's like, because, you Cohort? know. Co- Enclave, something. Yeah, maybe that is what it was conclave um so he goes in there and drops this ice cream maker full of <laughs> um beskar on the table and will Rohood's ice cream maker yeah all of the mandos cut like gather around him and like i got goosebumps dude like oh, the music and that like the, the this episode like there are some shots in it that are really good like there's one when he kill he shoots a stormtrooper and then the shot of the stormtrooper laying on the ground and like the smoke coming He's out smoking yeah from inside the armor like crazy good, um, and then 
you know, she's talking to him, the uh, the armorer lady. I don't think they've given her a character name yet. Um, <clears throat> she's there, uh, and and they look at the the armor, the big guy, the Mandalorian heavy, looks at the armor, and he was like, this was pressed in an Imperial smelter. It's a product of the Great Purge. Now, <clears throat> we, we've heard this per, this term before in the first episode. This this Beskar came from the Great Purge. Um, I think it's safest to assume that the Great Purge is related to the Empire retaliating against the Mandos after the end of Rebels. I'm saying, like, is it the Purge of Mandalore is what they're basically saying? I think so, because... I'm a little rusty on Rebels because I haven't watched it since it ended. Um, but the Mandalore stuff ma- wraps up with Sabine giving, um, ah, shit, Bo-Katan, the, the Darksaber, and the Mandalorian sort of uniting under her. And this is after they sort of like uh, rebel against the Empire. So to me, that sounds like the Empire's like, oh, you're going to rebel against us? You're about to get purged. Uh, I'm sure we'll find more out about that as the show goes on. But that's just where uh, what I think has to be the case as far as anything we've seen so far. Um, and then uh, the... I wonder if he sends Vader. Oh. in the right timeline? Yeah, and I, and I wonder... It doesn't seem like it would line up timeline-wise, but we know there's a whole siege of Mandalore um, uh, storyline coming up in the seventh season of the Clone Wars. So that obviously doesn't line up, but um, the big Mandalorian guy calls the Mandalorian and says, we got to find out some character names here. <laughs> so I can't just keep saying the, the Mandalorian. heavy that gives him a hard time. Yeah. And then they whip out vibroblades. That's the first time I've ever seen Vibroblades. Oh, it was like, so cool. It was cool. It was super cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and apparently they can only go above ground one at a time. Yeah. That's currently the favored to go. That's what I was going to say is like the big guy says the whole reason we're living underground like rats is because of the Great Purge. And that's the reason we we can only go out one at a time and stuff. So it does establish that. Things are not great for Mandalorians. I think that's something we could have inferred from previous episodes, but it kind of really nails it home in this one. Like Mandalorians. Mask, what were you going to say? Go that? ahead. No, you go. go ahead. I was just going to say the mask is a big deal too. Like they brought that up for a reason. Have you ever taken your, you know, your helmet off? Have you ever taken your helmet off? Have you ever been removed by an enemy? And like, no, like that means it's going to happen. Like there's going to be a bad consequence for that at some point. And you know, that's going to be cool. It's part of the story, but it's, uh, it's got to happen just because they mentioned it. Right. I think so. I think so for sure. Um, I, um, I, I think that detail is interesting, but it does raise some questions. How do these dudes eat? Does it mean it has to be, I was about to say like, there has to be something like you have to shave and wash your face and right brush your teeth. You like know. maybe it just means you haven't taken your helmet out off out in public. Like right, nobody's right. seen you, you without revealed your helmet. yourself. Yeah. Um. 
they uh so she she's like uh, i'm gonna make you a whole curus i love the fact that they called it a curus um and she asks him what messed up his armor and he says a mud horn and she says well that'll be your insignia or your signet or whatever and he says he doesn't deserve it because he was helped by an enemy enemy and that bummed me out so bad to hear him call little baby yoda an enemy well, oh, that is like he didn't know he was my enemy. Oh, mm-hmm. and it, to me, is it was perfect because he needed justification. He did not mention that it was a child. You know, like it was very specific to be ambiguous. Yeah, um, and then she starts forging the armor, which is really cool. I could watch a. What's that show, Emily? You've mentioned it before, where they they forge stuff. Oh, forged in fire. I would the watch. Best show ever. I would oh, watch yeah, the great. Star Wars version of that any day now. Like, I find those scenes so neat. And he starts having the flashbacks again, right? Now, here, you ready for Halls' hair brain theory of the week? This is something I've been working on, and Jesse has just been hyping me up on this theory. <laughs> okay, so if you yeah. think this is crazy, she's as equally to blame. So you see the scene of him getting hidden away by his parents, right? During the, what we assume is the Clone Wars, you see the clone gunship, you see um, some super battle droids, and then the door opens and there's a super battle droid there about to attack him. I think we are seeing a setup for, like, almost the perfect setup for a Star Wars cameo in that moment. Because something has to save him from that battle droid, right? Yeah. Now, given where it's set, like that could be any number of people. It could be as simple as um, like Rex or Fives or one of the named clones from the Clone Wars. You know, Dave Filoni is involved. Then we can get crazier. Like what if it's one of the Jedi from the Clone Wars? What if it's Plo Koon, who uh, Dave Filoni is a huge fan of? What if it's Yoda? What if it's Anakin or Obi-Wan? What if I it's Kiati Mundi? would be fitting. Kiati Mundi is my preferred. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta stay with the brand. I mean, the Yoda would be fitting. And that would mean, that would bring importance to why he stopped. What if it's Ahsoka? I just don't buy it. Jesse and I were talking about it today. Like, once again, with Filoni being involved, like... And and that's even assuming that they actually do something like this. Like I said, it's just like when I was laying in bed trying to sleep after watching that episode last night, uh, it's just something that came to mind. Like if you do Ahsoka, then this is a big if. Like I think there is a way to do it where it's very clear that it's her, but you don't have to do, since it is a flashback, it's a memory, you don't have to do like a super clear shot of her. Like, I think there is a way to do it um, that could be pretty cool. I just, I don't know. I just have it in my head now that we're going to see some kind of cameo in that moment. theory that Ahsoka's facial features, because she's originated as an animated character, they're almost impossible to replicate on an actual human being through makeup and shit. So, like, you can, I, I think you'll never get a real-life looking Ahsoka. But if you do what you're talking about with, like, the silhouette and stuff and imply it, you can get away with it. Yeah, um, 
I think there is. I almost feel like it's almost a matter of time before we see Ahsoka in live action in some form. I don't know if it'll be like a whole series focused on Ahsoka or if it'll be, you know, like a cameo like we're talking about. But it's such a popular character. Like they got to know that they could pull that card out sometime for like a holy shit moment in some Star Wars property, you know? I mean, I just figure you got to wrap up the story of Ezra. I mean, I, I assume Ezra and Ahsoka's stories are intertwined. Oh, yeah. I mean, that. yeah, but also this this would be dur- like if it happened in this moment, it would be set during the Clone Wars. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. what that's what I'm basing it all off of is like who could possibly show up like. I would explode if it was Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor as Anakin and Obi-Wan. During that the Clone would be Wars. so cool. And Ewan McGregor's back on board for Obi-Wan. He is. Hayden Christensen's just doing cons and stuff. Like, get him in real quick and secretively. Watch, you know what it's going to end up being? It's good. Well, not that this would be a disappointment. I don't want to frame it that way. But, like, it could also just as easily be the armorer lady. Uh, oh, that's actually exactly what my theory is. Really? I, yeah. I Yeah, I think she might be older than she seems. Yeah, and, and you can almost imagine that with the way her voice is, right? Something about her voice makes her seem a little older, a little wiser, right? And she does, I mean, she definitely is like a very respected, mm-hmm. people are listening to her in that group as much as anybody seems to be in charge. Yeah, I if if I had to guess, she's the head of this group of Mandos. There's definitely, like, a respect for her among that group. Like, when she gets on to the big Mando and Pedro Pascal, like, they listen to her. And that's when they start dropping, this is the way. How many catchphrases are they going to (laughs) fucking drop in this series? I have spoken, this is the way. Like, they've got so much neat stuff. But, you know, one of the things that I like about that we were seeing this really exploring this very dedicated Mandalorian culture is in those flashbacks, like his parents aren't wearing Mandalorian armor or helmets or anything. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of dedicating yourself to your culture because it's almost been wiped out and that now you're sort of the last remnant of it. And that makes you take it all very seriously. Mm -hmm. If, if that's where they're going, I I think that's, I think that's really cool and and a a really interesting story to explore in star Wars. And I wonder, are there, is this the, are they the only survivors or are there other sort of hidden pockets of Mandalorians? Like, is that something that we could see happen later in the series is like reuniting all these disparate pockets of Mandalorians into one force or something now that the Empire isn't around anymore? I don't know. And, and also, I really want to know what the situation on actual Mandalore is. Yeah. And you would figure they have to address that at some point. Because yeah, there's a reason they're not there. Right. And and it's not not just Mandalore. There's Concord Dawn. There's all, like, the Mandalorian Empire 
was a bunch of planets, right? Didn't they establish that in Clone Wars and the Rebels? Like, it's not just Mandalore. So, um, hmm. I almost forgot one interesting detail that came out from this episode is, and, and this would have made this discussion way easier. Um, the big Mandalorian guy, he actually has a name in the credits. Oh. It's Paz, P-A-Z, Vizla. <gasps> oh, cool. And, you know, for people that might not know or might have forgotten, that's significant because pre-Vizla is a big character in the Clone Wars. Emily, who is he part of in the Clone Wars? Death Watch! Yep. And also voiced by Jon Favreau, who I believe was the voice of that that character in The Mandalorian as well. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was him, but I wasn't quite sure. And then for some reason, I didn't even think to check the credits. So I didn't see... Was there a Tar Vizsla? Yes, Tar Vizsla, we've never actually seen... But he was the Mandalorian Jedi who created the Darksaber. Oh my goodness. Um, so that's a big deal as far as Star Wars g- lore goes. He's a Vizsla. He's from a very previously... Dominant name. Yeah, clan. Um, and one of those neat little details that's just in the credits. Um, and I also think it's kind of neat if, if that is... John Favreau doing the voice, which I'm pretty sure it is. Um, he's done both of the Vizsla's voices. Like, they all sound the same. <laughs> um, you know what else I loved in this episode? What's that? Which is him in the ship with the baby. Oh, my goodness. When the baby unscrews the little knob from the control, oh, what you know, God. whatever control that is, and then he's like, that's not a toy. And then... Uh, at the end, when the baby's like reaching for it and he just unscrews it, and like just those little touches. Although I was thinking, do, do you that is a choking hazard? It is a choking hazard, right? <laughs> also, I just like the fact that that the little handle just screws off. Yeah. I, try, I don't know why. I just really liked it. And when he's when he's after the baby and he's about to like leave on the ship and he does the little hesitation. Yeah. When he oh. Um, I don't. I think he should have picked up the little hover hover crib. Right. It seemed really handy, he's didn't like, it? Yeah. He seemed to he seemed to have it Bluetooth to his suit, and it was seemed to be handy. Dude, when he was whipping a lot of ass while that thing was just following behind. When he went to to save the baby, and that little hover pod was in the dumpster outside, my my heart sank. I know. I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh no 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 no. And uh, this morning when I was watching it with Jesse and she saw that, she goes, they wouldn't just kill baby Yoda, right? People would riot. Um, she's, she's true. And she's right. Dude, that scene of him uh, going to rescue the baby is so neat. Like, it's so neat finally getting to see a live action Mandalorian use all his gadgets and shit like Batman. So many gadgets. Uh, yeah. Ample use of the the flamethrower wrist, the singing birds, which as yes. far as I know is oh, like is whispering birds or something. Whistling, whistling, whistling birds. That's it. Um, it Sucked you had to use them right away, but damn, they were super handy. He, he might have some left. I don't know that he used all of them. 
I'd have to right. go and do the nerd thing where I count how many are in the gauntlet and then how yep. many of those stormtroopers he took out and shit. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's so cool. And that scene of him just walking into the the bar after he gets his armor made. Oh, man. So Mando. Uh, and he gets called out and everybody in the bar stops and looks at him. And uh, I like the little detail where Carl Weathers is like, even I'm rich off this job. And he pulls out just two bars of Beskar. That shows you how much that shit is worth. Yeah. That just two bars is enough to make you rich, you know? Um. So, I okay. I was kind of under the assumption, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. After the first two episodes that maybe all these other bounty hunters that were after the baby were working for a different client or something. Same. And they definitely established that that's not the case, that Werner Herzog just hired a ton of people because the, that's how important this bounty was to him like everybody had a tracking fob but if that's mm-hmm. the case then why was ig80 or uh, ig11 just gonna ice the baby i was wondering that and because he says it was like his specific instructions yeah Sent so by the I, guild. I caught that too and i maybe it's just maybe the only reason mando's instructions are to take the baby live is because the doctor was there when he got them. Oh, okay. So you uh, think Werner Herzog is just, he doesn't care. Like, yeah, they may, I, they may yeah. just need the baby's blood regardless of dead or alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, it could be that Werner Herzog and man, I really, I really wish they were to give his character a name, mm-hmm. but I mean, I would just call him Werner Herzog anyway, but if, he would prefer that. <laughs> like, because he, he like obviously needs the doctor. So maybe it's, oh, well, if the doctor's around when he's giving out the beacons, then he's like, yeah, 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 we want it alive. I see. Okay, that makes sense. He, it, did, it definitely did jump. Like, I had, to, I had to retrofit that in my head, though. Yeah I, I, yeah. I think that maybe the bounty that IG-11 had was taken out by somebody of a faction counter to... Warner Herzog, like somebody that. So you think it's a, it's didn't a po- want him to succeed or was like. Okay, so you think it is a possibility that there's, there's still another like client out there somewhere, and we know, yeah. um, Moff Gideon is is coming down in some episode. Giancarlo Esposito, because so, the guy in the valley said that it had been a while, like it had been they had been coming for a minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess it it doesn't. I mean, him giving all of those bounty hunters beacons doesn't necessarily mean that everybody we saw was from him. Right, right. That's true. Um, and I'm, I like the idea that hopefully the Mandalorians killed a good portion of those guys. Well, yeah, and there may be a handful left with fobs out there. I think it's definitely. I think we're in territory where this is like a man on the run type of show from this point. Like, I don't think that's wrapped up nice and cleanly, you know, with especially how cool is that scene when all the beacons just start to go off Oh, in the it gave me goosebumps the first time I watched it. And everybody has the realization of what's going on. That's pretty cool. And um, the thing is, he's not equipped to raise a child. Something's going to have to give eventually. 
Well, especially not a magic Yoda baby. Right. Yeah. And it, I assume his, I assume his name is going to start with a Y, just out of posterity. It's gonna. Um, it, it makes me think that ultimately the fate of this baby is him leaving the baby with someone who can care for it. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's my. Thought. Now, will that be more Yodas? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's crazy. Once you introduce a baby Yoda into this show, like almost anything's on the table at this point. It feels I was like. like, well, shit, where's the baby rancors? <laughs> um, so yeah, the, when the fobs start going off and then he's just walking through the street and, and walks into that courtyard and Carl Weathers is waiting for him. Uh, I, I could listen to Carl Weathers say Mando all day. Oh yeah. Like that false, like mm-hmm. jovial, like oh, I loved oh, it. Oh, yeah. And then, like, they have the whole shootout. There's all kinds of cool-looking bounty guard or bounty hunters. There's one Rodian who I'm pretty sure the mask is reused from Solo. You know, in um, in the what are they called? The Wind Raiders, Wind Riders, Emphis Nest Group. Yeah. When they all take um their masks off, there's that one Rodian who's like orange and yellow in color. I think that's the same mask that we see in the Mandalorian. Interesting, because <laughs> he looked like he had a similar color color scheme. I liked when he was using his disintegration rifle. <laughs> oh yeah, so many he people was, got disintegrated. Right, so many people. Carl Weathers was like, "That's a powerful rifle." He was like, uh, "Yeah, that's why I'm using it, Jack." Also, an interesting little detail is um, that we didn't talk about last week is it, it uses actual ammo. Like he yeah. loads cartridges. That's what or, those cartridges strapped across him are. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a hell of a weapon or whatever he says. Um, there's um yeah when he goes like we're gonna kill you and strip you for parts. Oh, and the Mando is like no you're not and oh dude, it's so good. Um, there's this one weird I want a really good look at it because you you see him briefly but it's like another bounty droid looking thing in the group. It's got like. Almost a praying mantis looking head with an antenna sticking out of it. It kind of looked like, was it Forlorn? When it first showed it, I was like, that's either the same tri- type of droid or Forlorn, or that's Forlorn, but it's definitely not him. The face is different. But yeah, that's what I thought it was at first, too, was Forlorn. Or for LOM, or however it goes. <clears throat> and then. He kills, I mean, like, he puts up a fight, man. And the scene where he's, like, laying down in the bed of that speeder and the baby wakes up and sees him. Like, once again, just this tiny little moment. That's It's a psychological thing in your brain. Yeah. There's a psychological switch in your brain that makes you, like, want to die for small babies. Like, when, when the adult human views a baby child, like, there is a reaction a biological psychological reaction of protectiveness and and adoration and um all looks lost like he's sitting there looking down at the baby and all you see is like a rocket right it's an awesome shot and i was like what is this because it was never anywhere in my mind that what was going to happen like last week remember will 
when Jeremy and I and you were talking and I said, um, um, well, now that we've seen all those Mandos, I want to see all those Mandos kick ass eventually. Doesn't have Boom. to be this season. Prayer answered. Next, next episode. Next episode. They just all come in on jetpacks. Some of them have rangefinders. Some of them don't. They've got different paint jobs. They just start whipping ass. The big heavy guy that got in a fight with him is being real cool with him. Like it's, uh, I'm sorry. Fire and a chain gun. A giant space chain gun. Oh. And also just so cool because what they're giving up, that means they've got to move planets yet again. Mm-hmm. They've got to like reestablish themselves somewhere because one of their guys needed help. And so they were all going to be there for him, no matter what it meant. Went yeah. back and took the bounty on a job he just collected on. Yep. And, and like, I love that. I like steel calls it the run in. It's the thing in wrestling. When you think the, the good wrestler is going to get beaten and then his buddies run into the ring out of nowhere and save the day. Like, I can't wait to hear what he thought of this run in because it's a real good one. I think it's, it's, it's Han Solo showing up to save Luke and the death star. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I never thought I'd see it in live action. And here we are like a dozen or more Mandos showing up to save the day. Um, and yeah, he mentions like, we're, you guys are going to have to, to move the enclave or whatever it is he refers it to. And he's like, uh, this is the way. Um, so neat. I am now worried about the, all those Mandos, though, because yeah. I don't think they get to pull that off without some sort of retribution. So I just hope they don't all get wiped out. No. I, from episode one, when we first saw that enclave, my suspicion has been that, um, from the footage we saw at Celebration with Moff Gideon, that burn them out line has been in reference to the Mandos. Like, that's my guess. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. That's going to bum me out. I mean, I could to- obviously be totally wrong about that. I've been, I've been wrong about a lot of stuff on this show, but that's my current theory. Uh, I thought I, IG-11 would last longer than five seconds. I still think he's coming back. I still think we're going to see more of him. There's unaccounted footage. Like we said last week, it could be a Rogue One situation where that footage was ultimately cut or something or you know, just used for promotional purposes. But there is unaccounted footage of IG-11 out there. So, um, <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't think things work out for them the best. And then I was wondering, like, so he's off on the run. If they go on the run, how is he going to link back up with them? I mean, I'm sure they've got some way of communicating back and forth. But, you know, this honestly, it could be a storyline. Those other Mandos may not be picked up for the rest of this season, depending on what goes on. Especially if, like Emily was saying earlier, like they just focus on what the Mando is up to. Yeah, you know, or if they do relocate, but he's not allowed to come back until he sorts his shit out. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if the baby is a target, he can't go back there with the baby. Nope, nope, because it would just lead everybody there. Because, and I, I'm, it's one of those little details. I want to know how those tracking fobs work. Like, 
how can you like yeah i need some sort of techno babble thing yeah and it, it could be as simple as an entry in a visual dictionary or something like they don't have to go into deep detail on the show but it does confuse me how they work can you just dial anybody in on these tracking fobs do you have to have like a maybe it's a genetic code thing maybe you have to have a sample of blood or, and yeah. then once you have the genetic code, you can track that okay. code. But like, why did they all start? Like, why did they all start going off again? Did the bounty did was Werner reissued? So Werner Herzog like hit the alarm button or something. Mm -hmm. That that's I could have used. I could have. I, I, I like, that's what I assumed. I would have liked to see that. Yeah, I I totally agree. That they they the tracking system could use a little bit of explanation in some form because I don't really understand how it works. Um, and before we move on to like voicemails and stuff, before we wrap up, I got to say, one of my favorite things to come out of the promotion for The Mandalorian is Werner Herzog in um, interviews and stuff because it's clear that he's never seen a Star Wars. No. And like, and I love it because in one of them, he's like, you know, uh, I'm sitting there and they're telling me about this show and I'm amazed because it's like mythology and it's the hero's journey so and it's and, uh, and it's stuff that like us as huge Star Wars fans have talked about like, for years. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> and it's so like it is so funny. It's like adorable to see this guy because of course Werner Herzog doesn't watch Star Wars. He's busy making documentaries and and movies and stuff like Star Wars is not in his wheelhouse. It's clear. No, and none of it. Like you know, he, there's one interview where he's, he he had, he had no idea who John Favreau was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The interviewer was like, "Did you feel nervous about working with John Favreau?" And he was like, "No, <laughs> no, I don't get nervous. I'm Werner Herzog." Uh, it's it's been great. Like I could watch him. I hope he's in the show for a while because I just want to see him continually be like I, amazed by star I wars was i was afraid he was gonna bite it this episode i was too i honestly thought that he would be a casualty of like going to get the baby yeah that's what i thought yeah like because we haven't seen moff Gideon introduced yet i'm like i keep remembering oh yeah there's another bad guy mm -hmm. so they can totally just kill him off yeah yeah I like i live in a world where Werner Herzog has had a scene with a baby Yoda. And that is a scene that I saw with my human eyes. And I don't <laughs> I don't quite know how to deal with it because it's insane. Um, well, well, from what we know, I'm surprised he still wants the baby because he got what he needed. As far as we understand, as far as I understand. It. Well, do we I don't know that he did get what he needed because so the baby was on that table and it was being scanned. Right. And that floating orb droid with the needles right like i think they call it an interrogation droid from right is there and the mando shoots it i think that droid was about to take a blood sample from the baby and i don't well, know I, that it had i just thought point. he said that you know i'm the only reason he's alive he would have been dead if it weren't for me i just i guess i took that to assume that they had done what they needed oh see i took that and and that could be the case but i took it to mean um they would have killed him and taken the blood. Right. Yeah, they could have done whatever they need to do with the body. Right. 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 All right. So uh, before we wrap up and move on to hearing from uh, our friends, <coughs> Emily, 
Any last thoughts on this episode? What you want to see going forward, etc. I'm I'm excited to see the other characters that we know are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm surprised we haven't seen Cara Dune yet, and kind of disappointed. Uh, so that's really all I'm looking forward to. Is I'm looking forward to her and Moff Gideon and um, Ming Na's character. But other than that. Like this episode was something I was expecting at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So it has thrown all of my expectations out the window. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty surprised too how long it's taken to introduce Cara Dune because it in the marketing they've kind of made it seem like her IG eleven and the Mando are like a trio, right? Like, there's a lot of poster artwork with the three of them together and things. Yeah, there is. Um, but, uh, so next episode, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. So that is absolutely when she shows up. Because they kind of said in that fan Q&A before the premiere that Bryce Dallas Howard was the director that got to introduce that character. So she'll be showing up next episode. I'll, I'll be interested to see how she fits into the story. I'm hoping it's not a situation where she's a bounty hunter who's also got a bounty on the baby and then she decides to work with the Mando or something like that. I hope they come up with something a little different uh, for her character. Um, but I, we don't have long till we find out. Uh, Will, what are you thinking, buddy? Any last thoughts on this episode? What you want to see going forward? What you think's coming up? No, basically kind of what I said earlier. They but they bet they must have something good planned because they blew my mind with this. Where they're gonna take it from here, I don't I don't know how you can go up from here, but it's gonna be good. It's gotta be good. Yeah. I I just I don't know. At this point, like I thought I had a general idea of what the show was gonna be going in. Seeing the first episode change that. And then after the first episode, I, I thought I had like a general idea of its uh, path going forward. Th- this episode changed that, so I, it's all surprises from here. I feel like. Um, what if he runs into an old Boba Fett who can relate to him being on the outs from his clan? Don't do that to me, Will. <laughs> this old man who's like scarred up from some acid. He'd been in belly of a beast. I don't do this to me, Will, because like I I, I have. I have resound like I have trained myself not to accept it, right? Or not to expect it, not accept it. Um, Dog, I had a baby Yoda. I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> I know, man. And like, there was an interview, um, with Dave Filoni. I think IGN had it, and it was from the premiere. And they were like, "Will Boba Fett ever show up?" And he was like never say never you know right now we're more interested in establishing new characters and telling their stories and etc etc but he's like you never want to take anything off the table permanently and i'm the guy that helped bring darth maul back after getting caught in half so i'd be cut in half so i'd be kind of a hypocrite to say like well he fell down the sarlacc pit so that means he can't ever show up again so he at least left the window open um i just with with Boba not being a Mandalorian, I don't see where he fits into the story. You know, like if that wasn't an established piece of canon that Boba and Jango weren't actually Mandalorians, 
then I could totally see it being more of a possibility. Right. Um, maybe Boba finds out that there's a dude out there with a sweet set of new Beskar armor, and he's like, oh, you know who needs some new armor? Me. The big bad Boba. <laughs> we'll see. Um, all right, guys. Well, do you want to hear some voicemails and cover an email before we uh, call it a night? Sounds good. All righty. Let me get uh, our song loaded up. And then uh, it's off to the races. We'll be hearing from King Tom first, as is the this is the way we hear from King Tom first. Well, after we hear a song. So here we go. Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box. Cockhead, running around slaying bitches. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his bud. Kitty, cockhead, to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty, cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead. Come on, Filoni and Favreau have Kia D save that baby Mandalorian. All right. So first up, we're going to hear from our buddy King Tom. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey there, Haas and Will. So last week, I made a decision. I'm not a morning person, but I decided to start getting up a half hour, 45 minutes earlier, about 5.30 in the morning, so I could watch, on Fridays, so I could watch the Mandalorian episodes, you know, a few hours after they came out. And I tell you, it's one of the best decisions I ever made. I still have to, you know, wake up and watch the episode, get my kids ready, get myself ready. But it just, I am so glad that I am watching it, you know, early in the first round of people so I can talk about it with people so I can, you know, avoid being spoiled by it because this show, it just keeps getting better and better. And that's not any reflection on the episodes that came before this last week's, but wow. We are just getting so much stuff. I didn't even think that we would get, and I can go on and on about how much I enjoy the show, but there's one particular thing I want to talk about here. You know, I thought we would be getting a Mandalorian. I didn't know we would be getting a ton of Mandalorians. And I know right now it's just me, but it feels like we know more about the group of Mandalorians than we do our individual Mandalorian, the titular Mandalorian, if you will. But, you know, considering what we know, that the last time in the story we saw the Mandalorians was right before, was in Rebels, which takes place right about two or three years before A New Hope. And then this takes place, this takes place after Return of the Jedi. And it's just kind of weird thinking that, like, do they mean that the Empire went out and wiped out all the Mandalorian planets and they're now on the run and in hiding or was there something else 
that happened? Do you think we will find out? Do you think it matters? It just, I, my mind keeps on going back to these questions. And, and right now, I mean, I, I, I would like to think they have a story down. They know what they're doing because they're thorough in, in ways like this. Uh, but I keep coming back to these questions. I just guess I want to know if I'm the only one. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the awesome podcast. I hope you guys are digging the show. I will talk with you later. I'm telling you guys, King Tom, no, like, I think when I, when I have the opportunity to have a pre-podcast nap, King Tom is like Freddy Krueger, but like way nicer, obviously. <laughs> and he invades my dreams and he's like, they're going to talk about this. I'm going to send in a voicemail about it. Um, what do you think, Emily? I feel that they they know what they're what story they're telling. Yeah. Uh I it doesn't seem like the sort of thing that they just sort of go, well, the word purge is cool and we'll figure it out later. They, I mean, they're definitely they're definitely writers that that do that and shows that do that. I I I don't quite know what it is. I feel like Mandalore at least has to be pretty much wiped out if you're gonna hide on a different planet and and the fact that they're in hiding at all and they can't just be like yeah all our people died but there's still you know a few dozen of us why do they have to be in hiding yeah especially in a post-empire world like if if the empire is who wiped them out now that the empire is gone why are they still in hiding like, unless it's a situation where they don't want anybody to know how many of them is left, you know, I don't, mm -hmm. I just don't understand. Like, cause if it was the Imperial purge, right. And the empire fucked over the Mandos, then the empire's no more. Um, I just, I guess that's a little confusing to me. What do you think? Will? yeah, I, I mean, the, the Empire has to have done something with those planets, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're just barren wastelands or... I mean, I assume they serve some Empire function. Well, uh, clearly they went and took and mined Beskar and smelted it into ingots, right? Because right. those came from an Imperial uh, refinery or whatever. They're stamped with the, the Imperial symbol. So um, clearly they mined those planets. Yeah. Um, and then that raises the question, like... What did the Empire do with all that Beskar? Maybe it didn't have time. Yeah. Excuse me. Maybe it didn't have time to execute its final plan when it came to the Beskar plans. Yeah. Yeah, there's... And, and I think that is yet another sort of important element of Star Wars that this show, show nails is, boom, you're dropped into this time period it references previous happenings and things in Star Wars history. Right. And then gradually sort of unveils that to you. But it, it doesn't it doesn't have to do an info dump necessarily where they're like, this came from the purge. And the Mandalorian is like, ah, I remember the purge. And she's like, yeah, you do remember the purge because that's when the Empire <laughs> came and killed all the Mandos and blah, 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 blah. You know, it like <clears throat> it drip feeds. It's it's like Obi-Wan in episode four where he says, you know, uh, I served alongside your father in the Clone Wars. That's it. 
oh, there was a Clone Wars, you know, like, um, and so I'm sure these answers are forthcoming at some point, but it's also one of those things that I'm fine with them, like stretching out and giving us little pieces here and there, because that adds to the discussion that adds to the fun of like doing some cock a duty speculating, you know, speculating. <clears throat> All right, let's hear from. I believe this might be from our buddy Jerry. It is. It says it's from AT&T. I don't think AT&T sent us a voicemail, though. So let's Please hear from our buddy Jeremy. Please cease and with your foul podcast. Oh, damn, Jeremy. Production value, buddy. Hey, guys. Long-time listener, first-time caller. It's your friendly neighborhood space barbarian. Oh, my God. I just got done watching the third episode, or third chapter, if you can hear it. Man, Baby Yoda is pulling at my heartstrings in a real way. In a real, real way. Um, Alright, I know you guys are talking about this episode, and I know you're as excited as I am, but I'm afraid, like... So many close to crying moments at the beginning, like, what the fuck? You're just going to take Baby Yoda back? You're just going to take him? But, you know, we all had the feeling that something, it it wasn't going to be that simple. So it's pretty awesome to see him come back in, whip some ass, take the little baby back, and then the Mandos show up. Pause. I can just, I can just picture it now. Uh... Somehow, I am sure you came up out of the couch and did a jig, a Mando jig. <laughs> Anyways, I'm excited. This was awesome. Hope you guys have a good podcast tonight. And just, just think, just we're we're seeing some heart here, you know. At the end, he takes the little ball off of the off of the throttle or whatever it is and gives it to Baby Yoda. I'm. I'm really happy. I'm excited to see where this goes. Peace out. I don't know. Also, th- oh. Perfect cows forever. <laughs> he got me with that. I thought he was really done there. Um, I don't know if I did a, a jig when that happened. I was definitely excited, but Jesse can attest to this. I have a Mandalorian theme song dance. Every oh, time yeah. I finish an episode and that song starts playing, I have a fucking jammy dance I do, man. Oh, wow. I got to see this now. I'll tell you exactly what it looks like, Will. Do you remember your buddy? His name was Chris, right? That used to come and hang out with us? Yes. And we would... Uh, Dave Matthews dance? Yes. He had... <laughs> so we would hang out, right? And uh, um, do we would hang out in a fashion that dudes of our type hang out in college and listen to stoner music. <laughs> and this dude, Chris, always wanted to listen to Dave Matthews band. And he would like he would be like, Will, you got to turn this up. And Will would turn it up, and he'd be like, you got to turn it up louder. And Will would be like, we have roommates, man. I can't turn it up any louder. And then this dude would start dancing to Dave Matthews on the couch, like sitting down dancing. I think my Mando dance may be slightly inspired by that dance. Goodness. Um, <clears throat> That's a good one because it comes from the heart. Yeah, I just I I, I got to start moving when I hear that Mando dance. That's going to be me and Jess, Jesse's first dance at our wedding. 
That's going to be a good one. <laughs> Followed by ants marching. No, no, that will not be at our wedding. Um, thanks for calling in, Jeremy. It was good to hear from you, buddy. AT and T. I didn't realize you worked for AT and T. Uh, all right. So next up, we have uh, a voicemail from <clears throat> Utah. Utah. Dougie. Dougie. It's been a little while. Okay. So we had a little bit of an issue. Uh, Will's son, Liam, who we can talk about now. Um, he woke up. He was in bed, so we woke up and Will had to go put him back to bed. So Will is uh, Will is gone for the last of the episode, but Emily and I are still here, and we're going to finish up these last couple of <clears throat> uh, voicemails and email, and then we'll call it a night. So uh, let's get back to it. This is, um, this is from our buddy, Dougie. What's up, Haas and Will, Blue Harvesters? It's Dougie, and my question, with all this Mandalorian hype, um, it's not related to that. It's actually episode 9, although I have plenty of stuff to talk about with the Mandalorian. I went to a movie this week, and I was looking at the Rise of Skywalker trailer on the big screen, and in that scene with Rey and Kylo and that statue with maybe Vader's helmet on top when it shattered um right before it phased to the next scene most people are paying attention to ray uh, but i was looking at kylo and i noticed his arm and his head turning towards that statue and maybe possibly it looks like he's kind of reaching out with the force to try and grab that helmet um in midair and it did look like the helmet was floating kind of at a different speed than the rest of the uh, statue or whatever was holding it. Uh, so I was wondering maybe Kylo's making a grab for that helmet. And then also, with lightsabers, I wonder if they would shatter an object like that or if they would slice through the object like we see with Qui-Gon in the blast shield doors where he slices into it and melts something. I, I would imagine maybe Kylo and Rey are locked up in some sort of force push like Obi-Wan and Anakin were and maybe there's a shockwave that goes off that shatters that that um, stand uh, for Vader's helmet because um, I would assume maybe their lightsabers would cut through it so maybe there's some sort of push, uh, you know, force energy push uh, shockwave going through that and then maybe Kylo's trying to reach out and grab that artifact helmet uh, that's just a little observation I made that I haven't seen anyone uh, comment on lately but holy cow man am I getting excited um, if we can't ignite the green at least I've got a baby Yoda to look forward to <laughs> anyways uh, as always love the podcast look forward to hearing what you think about all that and have a good night. Thanks, buddy. Uh, actually, uh, Dougie's uh, voicemail reminded me of something else I wanted to talk about with Emily. So that was handy. Thank you, buddy. Um, I That scene with, with Ray and Kylo in the Vader helmet is so weirdly presented in that first trailer. And then we got like a new peek at it in the 
I guess it was like a TV spot or a social media trailer or whatever they put out this week. I'm still having a hard time figuring out what's going on there. What do you think, Emily? Well, I haven't I haven't seen the new stuff because I'm sort of still debating whether I'm going to watch any of the, the new ones or not. Um, right. I don't I don't know. I I feel like the fact that he has the helmet on means they're fighting each other. I do, too. But I hadn't I hadn't thought about the fact that it seems like a lightsaber would slice rather mm -hmm. than then you know explode or like crumble like i hadn't even thought about that it's something that never would have occurred to me yeah so that's interesting the other thing that the thing that did change my perspective on that scene or actually reinforced my perspective on that scene and and i don't i don't know if it's reliable or not and that is the pictures of the new ray hot toy Ah, what? Okay, so what bit of uh, information did you glean from that? Well, because you know when they when they put up the things for the hot toys, they they'll often pose them with other figures, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> they have that white room as a background. And at least to me, the pictures very much look like she and Kylo are in the middle of a battle. Like it's not them destroying that thing together. They're full on fighting each other. Oh, um, okay. Now, whether that means anything, I can't. I mean, it could be whoever was posing the figures just assumes that it's a fight between those two. Right, but I don't know. I think it's a... I'm always hesitant to base like this kind of stuff off of toys and, and products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes it pays off. Like, sometimes it's exact, so it, I don't think you can discount it either. Um, I noticed something interesting today uh, in regards to the Kylo hot toy that they're bringing out for Episode Nine. Apparently, the those red cracks and, um, and like, the red light in his helmet, that, like, pulsates along with Ooh. his breathing. And I think that's a detail we've missed because you don't get a, a, a good enough look at it in the trailers. But I think that's a really neat little costuming, like, touch detail that it seems like they've added to that helmet. And I, I, I like that. I think it's a neat touch. Um, I'm pretty firmly in the camp that I think they're fighting. I don't think they're, like, fighting over that helmet or anything. But I think it just happens to be where they're fighting. And like you said, I never considered that it wasn't a lightsaber causing that damage that it was something else and a force push or even a force pull. Like, you know how they're fighting over the saber in the last Jedi. Like maybe it could be something like that. Even, um, Dougie might be onto something with that. The thing he reminded me of was something that you wanted to bring up on the show this week. Um, and that's, a collecting dilemma you're having. And the reason I thought of this is because every time I see that scene in the trailer, I think of that being like Kylo's display stand for his sweet Vader collectible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't you clue the listeners in on what your dilemma is and, and what you're thinking about here? Yeah. So this is what happened is, so I was watching the Mandalorian and I'm like, man, I do like the Mandalorian. 
I kind of want, I kind of want the Mandalorian hot toy. And I'm not, I'm not ready to pre-order it yet. Cause what if I, you know, hate the end of the show or something, Right. but I wanted to go look at it. So I go onto the website and because I'm obsessive, I was look. I always check out the new stuff on Sideshow and they just announced a Ventress mythos statue. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, the mythos line is they do a couple things. They do figures, they do statues, but they're kind of, they're not quite what ifs in like, they're not like really alternate universe stuff, but there's, they're taken from stuff we never actually saw on screen. Right. So there's like an Obi-Wan that's kind of between the ages of Al Guinness and Ewan McGregor. There's a, you know, there's a, Dar- there's a Darth Maul and like a, different pose than we ever saw with some different stuff on him but this Fendris one is awesome except it's a statue and I don't have any statues and I don't I don't like it's one of those like I'm sort of torn here when you're spending $250 it is do I continue to get the stuff that I that I already have several of which is this the six scale figures that are gorgeous and I love them or do I do something completely different that doesn't match anything but as a character I can't get any other way yeah so that's the thing like there is an unfortunate lack of Asajj Ventress merchandise out there um I think they did like a not a hot toy, but maybe a sideshow figure of her at one point. Yeah, it's not great. It's not. Now, this Ventress statue is rad. The Mythos line in general, I think, is very strong. Like you said, they did the, the Obi-Wan in between episodes three and four. They did a Boba Fett, which I think was supposed to be like him after the Sarlacc pit. He's got like a a poncho covering part of his armor and stuff. They've done a lot of really cool ones, <clears throat> but they they haven't done the statues in a little while. They did go back and re-release like Obi-Wan and Boba as six scale figures. Um, and they announced this week that they're bringing the, the Mythos line back in statue form. And I think the first two are Asajj and Darth Maul. Um, I don't know. With as much as you like that character, I think it's worth it. Even if you don't previously collect statues, um, the benefit of a statue is you never have to worry about getting it in a cool-looking pose. That's true. And if and uh, I mean, at this point, it's very early, so it's it's just like art. Mm-hmm. It's not, and and you know, I would, I would definitely not going to order something until I see an actual product. Mm-hmm. But it's such a dynamic pose, mm-hmm. and she's got like the. She's got this sort of like crazy scarf hood thing that has lots of different tails on it that are all going off in different directions. So it's got a lot of movement to it for something that is, you know, stationary. Yeah, and and I know um I know I've heard from a couple of people, even our friend Chris Fresh um mentioned some quality issues with like sideshow six scale figures. Mm-hmm. Like he got a six scale Boba Fett that I think was not the greatest quality, but as far as their statues go, I think those are still fairly high, highly regarded. Um, 
I don't know. I say you go for it. Just because you like that character so much. Like, in a world where they don't make a ton of Boba Fett merch, like, I think I would get a Boba Fett statue if there wasn't a hot toy available, you know? And I don't think a hot toy Asajj Ventress is necessarily out of the realm of possibility, but you got to figure they have, they seem to like to do um, the current stuff. And then when there's a break in current stuff, they go back and do original trilogy and prequel stuff. So how long would it take them to get to Asajj Ventress? And as far as I know, they've never done a hot toy of a character we've never seen in live action. So that's I, a good point. I think we, I, if I were you, I think I'd go for it. Yeah, because I guess the thing is, like, I can. That, I mean, that Mandalorian hot toy is awesome, but I can get lots of other Mandalorian toys. Yeah, and and you know, with this being multiple seasons, like, you know, there's going to be more than one of that Mando. Yeah, and you're talking a figure. The Mando doesn't even come out until December of next year. I don't. I didn't see a time frame for the Asajj Ventress statue, but it's probably not close either. Like not coming out anytime soon. So you have plenty of time to make the decision on one or whatever. You know, uh, maybe you decide uh, you want uh, the Mando and his full shiny armor because it comes with the little baby Yoda hot toy. Oh man! If something comes with the baby, like it's going to be so hard not to get the baby Yoda, no matter who it comes with. Right. So I, you know, I think you've got plenty of time and. And with most in most cases, it doesn't seem like you have to pre-order one of these statues or figures to get it. You know, as long as you pull the trigger within a reasonable time, reasonable time frame of it being released, you should be okay. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> so I am. I am. <laughs> I am like scared about that. Ever since I like had to go to five stores to find Tarkin, since they sold out on yeah. the website. Yeah, and I'll be honest, like I uh, I put the Mando on the payment plan personally because I don't want to be in that situation because we don't have stores around here that carry hot toys. So I'm yeah. at the mercy of the online uh, storefront there, and I can only imagine that figure is a, a good candidate for a sellout. And when it sells out, I'm sure on the secondary market, it's going to be quite expensive. So, um, and... You got to keep that in mind with those Mythos statues too, because that original run, the like the Vader, the Boba, and the Obi Wan, insane prices online to get one of those, like twelve hundred bucks, fifteen hundred bucks sometimes. So, you know, as as our buddies at the Geek Dudes always say, you'd be losing money not to. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did hit the little on uh, Saj's website has a. RSVP thing for stuff that's not up offer pale sale yet. Right. That will alert you as soon as something goes on sale. So Yeah, and it could even be a situation where they're spread out far enough away from each other that both is an option. You never know. That's true. With they with them announcing stuff so far ahead and then taking it taking so long for it to actually come out, like you might be okay there. So I don't know that it's anything to sweat, but if I were you and as much as you like Asajj, like they just don't do enough merch with her. And that is such a cool piece. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to hear from our buddy Jim, and then we got an email, and then that'll be it. So this is from Jim. 
How you doing, guys? Uh, just finished watching the newest episode of The Mandalorian, the third episode, and wow, that was uh, fantastic. Uh, so my big question is, the heavy Mandalorian, he sounds familiar, man. Like, he has absolutely voiced a character in the Clone Wars at some point, or maybe even Rebels. Uh, but he sounds very familiar. I wanted to know if, uh, if you to remind you of anybody. And I'm also curious how the fobs work. Do they just lock onto your DNA <laughs> genetic code and somehow they can track you? I don't understand how they work. So, uh, what is your insight on that? And uh, you guys have a fucking great day. Ignite the green. Jim, buddy. I think we covered both of those. I think we're pretty sure that's John Favreau. It's gotta be. Yeah, and um, when we were listening to the Kia D song, I was scrolling through Twitter, and apparently there's some artwork of John Favreau in that armor, like oh, okay. like with holding the helmet by his side. So I think that kind of confirms it. Um, yeah, that's John Favreau, and we don't know how the fobs work either, buddy. But we'd sure like to know. <coughs> All right, so we got one email, and this is from Corey with a K. Hey guys, just recently found the show on Podbean and started going through the backlog, and I've really been enjoying it. I was listening to you guys spitball ideas of games you'd like to see, and I've been saying for years, I want From Software to make a Star Wars RPG in the format of Dark Souls in terms of difficulty, storytelling, level design, battle mechanics, etc. Dark Souls has pretty much ruined gaming for me, and this is something I think would be amazing. Hashtag Moisture Farmville. Oh, man, Farmville. I remember those days. People sending me requests on Facebook wanting me to give them turnips and shit. Oh, God. Um, are you familiar with the, the game franchise Dark Souls at all, Emily? I know that it's extremely punishing. It is. It is. It, I guess you would say it's sort of dark fantasy would be the, the genre, and it is extremely punishing and... Corey, my buddy Corey here apparently is a fan. Uh, our buddy Steve Cobra that's on the show um, is a huge fan. I know a lot of people that love those games, and they drive me crazy because I am not too proud to admit that I'm terrible at them. Um, and honestly, I think, I, I, I don't want to say for sure, but I think Jedi Fallen Order might be the closest we get to that style of game because it's clearly influenced in a big way by those games. And if you crank that that game up to the hardest difficulty, <clears throat> it's really tough. So I think... Yeah, I just... I mean... I just don't enjoy myself when I die every two minutes. Yeah, and and I, I get the sort of... Um, the style and the allure of a Dark Souls type game because when you do beat the really hard boss or when you get past the really hard section, there is an incredible sense of accomplishment. But I just, I've tried them. I, I've played, I think I've played all three Dark Souls games at one point and could not even get very far into them. I respect them. I think they're neat games. I'm interested to see the game they have coming out that's uh, written by George R. R. Martin. They have a game, I think maybe next year or the year after. Um, 
I've got a lot of respect for him. It's just not my thing. I'm not good enough for him. Um, but Corey, if you haven't played Jedi Fallen Order on like the hardest difficulty, you you should try that and see if um, if that scratches your your Dark Souls itch. It's not as RPG heavy as a Dark Souls. Obviously, you're not really changing out your gear and getting new weapons and stuff. Um, after seeing the first three episodes of the Mando, I want a Mandalorian game. Yeah. Like Red Dead Redemption, but the Mandalorian seems like the perfect Star Wars game for me. We'll see. So I think that does it for us. Uh, Emily, why don't you uh, tell everybody where they can find your wonderful podcast and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, I do a podcast called The Candobite Dispatch with my friend Brittany Brown. And um, we have a lot of fun. Try not to take things too seriously. Um, it's not safe for work, but you can, I mean, you can find that anywhere you find podcasts. And it's on Twitter and Instagram at Candobite Pod. And then my personal Twitter and Instagram are at EF Lind. It is a lot of fun. I suggest you guys check it out. Um, and uh, at least one of the hosts is a, a fairly la- nice lady, <clears throat> Brittany. <clears throat> I used to think you were nice, Brittany. Anyways, uh, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Check out our Patreon page if you want to support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. We have an amazing bonus show with Emily right here called Podula Rasa, where we talk about some of our favorite TV shows. We actually need to record one of those sometime soon. Yeah. And uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't already. Next week, we'll have uh, another special guest lined up for Chapter 4 of The Mandalorian. So look forward to that. And until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Hall's Burkhart. I'm May the Force be with you. May the Force be with us.